hey, uh, you're despite um, the different music and, and the different vibe, you are in fact listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. And yes, this is your host, Andy J. Pizza. Um, <laughs> you'll notice this is a different kind of episode, and uh, I'll explain what's going on there. So, with all the crazy stuff going on in the world, and then all the especially crazy stuff going down in America, I didn't feel like it felt right just to do a, a regular episode and not address anything. And yet, I also felt uncomfortable. You know, I feel like everybody uh, is feels the pressure to have a take. And instead of, share, you know, getting on this podcast and using this megaphone to be like, this is what Andy J. Pizza thinks, um, you know, I've kind of tried to instead just amplify other voices of people that I believe in and, and, and I know have a great heart. And uh, so I want to take this opportunity to pass this little creative pep talk megaphone over to my buddy Ade Hogue, who is one of our artists on my artist management company, Co-Loop. Co-Loop. Um, Ade is a phenomenal letterer and uh, designer, and this is his second appearance on the show. His first one was a popular one with uh, lots of our people. And uh, and yeah, I just wanted to give him a platform to to talk about where his heart is through all this stuff and also you know we do a lot of that at the beginning but there's a lot of creative talking shop on this as well that Ade's got some brilliant analogies and some awesome tactics and it's it is full to the brim with creative pep um that you come to expect um you're gonna like it and uh, if you don't already know Ade go check out his work A-D-E H-O-G-U-E on Instagram. And uh, also, since we're this is a sensitive episode uh, and I just wanted it to be a free gift, there's no sponsors and it's going to be free to patrons as well. Um, love you all. And yeah, really excited to share this conversation I had with uh, Ade Hogue. So, uh, I mean, we're going to get into kind of how you're doing and we'll, we'll talk about a whole bunch of other stuff, but okay, I wanted to, uh, start off by just saying, you know, you started, you came into 2020 wanting to, you were planning this creative sabbatical. You're going to go do some travel and you had this plan to be like, 2020 is going to be the year of kind of stepping back <laughs> and distancing yourself socially. And I want to ask you, <laughs> did you manifest this global social distance? That's <laughs> yes, I'm blaming yeah. you. I wanted time away from everybody. So I made it so that no one could be around anyone ever. Yes, that's precisely what I did. The, that's the right, pure that... extrovert in me who loves people decided to just never have people be around each other ever yeah. again. <laughs> can, you t- <laughs> can you tell people what where you actually went and what you did and just a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so I took a month off of, well, sort of. I like to say I took a month off of any kind of client work, but I didn't. Of yeah. course, as a freelancer, it's like almost impossible to just fully disconnect for that long. Um, yeah. But I decided to take a month away from like everyday hustle and bustle, normal life to try and do a small personal thing, small, personal sort of creative thing, um, mm. because I just realized that it's real easy to get caught up in like the day to day 
of life, right? You go through the same sort of routine, you get up at the same time and you go do this and you go do that. Uh, and it's hard to make that sort of time to do those personal things, like especially ones that aren't the natural default. So for me, the natural default is to going is to do something that is totally design related. But this yeah. particular thing, while it's still creative, it's not design focused, right? right. So it's easy when I, when I have like a little bit of spare time. If I sit down on my computer, yeah, I'll start designing in my spare time. But it's hard to sit down and start writing, which is what this project was. Um, so yeah, I took a month away to go do that. And what was that project? Can, are you are you not going to say yet? Uh, I don't know. Because you know, <laughs> it makes me feel weird. Because if I say it, then like, I know I'm committed to it. Yeah. Uh, but it was a book about uh, sort of creative thinking and a right. way that I like to tie uh, the way you should think as a creative into the way you approach cooking things in the kitchen. Oh, I'm going to ask you about that later anyway. Okay. So <laughs> if you want to, if you want to edit it out or you just want to be like, plead the fifth, that's fine. No, 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 but, it's fine. Um, All right. <laughs> I need more pressure to like make uh, me finish the same thing. All right, good. Cause that there's some, I, you've, I've talked to you a little bit about that stuff and that yeah. it's so inspiring to me. Um, so I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about, uh, your creative mornings talk and a bunch of whole bunch of other stuff. But, um, uh, you know, I called you. We had to do this interview. We were doing through all, all the co-loop interviews, and you're the only person I haven't interviewed. We didn't get time to do it while you were here, or maybe you weaseled out of it. I don't no, know. No, I didn't weasel um, out of it. it was, <laughs> I, I remember I was the last one to show up. So oh, you know, right. already recorded everyone's. You know, I didn't work with everyone, okay. and it just didn't happen. So don't blame me. Blame yourself. <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, with all the stuff going on in the world right now, I thought uh, maybe we'll just you know, bump it up. Let's just make it happen because, um, you know, I feel like right now there's a pressure for everybody to have a, a take on what's going on in America. And I've kind of tried to make it clear where I stand, not by saying a bunch of stuff, but mm -hmm. just elevating, uh, people's voices who I know have an amazing heart, uh, e even if it's, you know, even on the little nuances, we might not agree on every little thing. I just don't feel like it's my time to be like, and here's what Andy J pizza has to say about all this <laughs> stuff. Um, so, you know, whether it's killer Mike or Amanda sales, you know, I I've just tried to like, you know, get that stuff out there and, and let their voices be heard in my tiny little megaphone. And as I was planning this episode, the next week's episode, I just felt like I can't not say anything, right? Uh, but I would rather just kind of pass this little megaphone that I have that is creative pep talk off to um, someone like you. And I just wanted to hear, and you kind of know privately, you told me like, you, you don't, you know, you don't see yourself as the voice of black people in design, right? but, <laughs> but uh, you know, just from on a personal level, how is Ade doing? What's where's he at with all this stuff, and and what are you feeling? Yeah, well, I can confidently say that right now, I am. This is a struggle, and it's a struggle for a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Um, I literally, like, I was on the phone with a friend of mine right before this um, because we had texted a couple times, and what I had noticed in the couple of texts that we've sent back and forth to each other is that like I would type a sort of a long paragraph of sort of thoughts as they yeah. were happening and then she might take a while to sort of respond to me and then she would do the same thing back and I realized that we were just both struggling to figure out like what to say to each other both being black people in America who have other black friends but also have other white friends who care about us and want to talk about things with us and not always knowing like what to say and w when to say it so mm. um 
yeah, definitely have struggled with a lot of what's going on. Of course, it a lot of it is, I don't know, it's, it just sounds sort of, sort of sad, but like, you know, as a black person in America, we a lot of people feel as if it's a place that doesn't necessarily care about our well-being and about like, yeah. whether we survive or not. Um, so we kind of get used to this sort of feeling, right? Like if somebody else gets shot and or something happens to a, a person of color and it feels like that's just the way it is or the way it's supposed to be. Um, so it's kind of hard to shake that feeling. And you, you feel that every single time it happens. And it, yeah. I don't think it gets any easier, or at least hasn't gotten any easier for me. With everything that's going on right now, does does this feel different? No, I don't think so. I mean, like, does it in in terms of like in comparison to the other incidents in which things like this have happened? No, I don't think it does. It feels the same. I feel the right. same sort of hurt. And right, right. I'm literally I was working on a piece right now. Um, this kind of a creative, emotional sort of piece to to get out my feelings and my thoughts about this situation. Um, but what I've noticed in, I was in the same conversation with his friend that I had, I was talking about what, why some of these resonate more than others. Um, why some of these instances, why some of these instances hurt more than others, like for me. Uh, and it's, for me, it's the instances that I can see myself in. It's like, it's easy to put my place, put myself in that person's shoes who was killed or who was whatever. Um, those are the ones that I get the most emotional about. So this one doesn't feel any different than the other ones that I feel that I could see myself in, right? Like yeah. seeing him as like a, what seems to be a normal black man who was, had the police called on him. And then the next thing you know that he's under arrest and is begging, pleading for his life, right? Like I could see yeah. that as being a situation. It doesn't, it's not like I was in a house or he was in a house with a mask on prepared to rob someone or to do something that was like devious or had a weapon or anything like that. So those are the ones that are emotion, the most emotional. So those all still feel the same. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like the the country's response is the same? Um, yeah, it kind of feels the same. I think the you know the, the huge negative we have we have a president in place who yeah. his response is just never good. Um, but too with like everyone else, the response is is the same as what we've seen before. It does feel louder, which makes me happier. That makes that means that maybe there is progress and more people are sort of seeing the light and, and understanding that this is abnormal, um, like the, the entire situation. But yeah, the overall response feels the same. It's just a, over, it's a much louder version of the same thing. Yeah. Does that, does that or is there anything else with all of this stuff? Um, is there any place that, is there anything that's giving you any, hope does anything give me any hope hmm i mean i guess the this the thing that does make me slightly hopeful is that more people are understanding that they have friends who are affected by this uh and yeah. who, are, who are seriously impacted by the things that are happening and not necessarily themselves and then another i guess another thing that sort of gives me hope is that people are using their voice and um, amplifying other voices whenever possible to make sure that whoever needs to be heard is getting heard. So that's good. That's a positive. That's something that we, a direction that we have to move in if we're going to actually make this any better, for sure. Well, thanks for sharing that because uh, I feel like, you know, I think the thing that lots of people are struggling with is because this is such a reoccurring occurrence that uh, 
it just feels so hopeless. So I, right. know, I really, I really appreciate it, man. And I, I'm sorry to put you on the spot too. No, it's all good. Um, I mean, there's always, there, there has to be hope, right? Like there's, I, you know, I just posted a thing from James Baldwin um, and I feel like he's endlessly quotable, but another one that yeah. I did way back when is um, he says that he can't be a pessimist because he's alive. And I think that that's sort of the, yeah. uh, the approach, the mental approach we have to take is like, yeah, there has to be at least a, a small lining of hope and because we're all still here and we're all still willing to fight. Yeah, things could be bleak and it doesn't seem like it could get any better at this exact moment, but like there's still the possibility of it. If we stand up with each other, we fight with each other to push it there. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, uh, speaking of James Baldwin, I want to talk to you about, uh, I want to talk to you about some stuff that you talked about in your Creative Mornings talk. And oh boy, I don't even remember this Creative Mornings talk, so you have to remind me. No, <laughs> was it just a blur after you yeah. got it? Yeah, I know. That's I've felt that many times. Uh, no, it was an awesome talk, and it, it was on the topic of craft. Mm-hmm. And I feel like lettering is such a good practice to study for any creative because there's this there's this thing that all creatives have to go to if they're if they're really going on their journey where they start with learning how to talk and then at some point they start saying something and and in the talk you you go through this daily drawing project where you are drawing uh, a word a day which was a play on your <laughs> on your on your name which I really like my drums yeah. and my how about my this symbol. let me see if this works yeah, I got buttons now. <laughs> I didn't know you had um, sound effects in this show. You really stepped up the budget since the last time we've done this. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's the second time I've used the buttons. Um, but uh, but anyway, the uh, yeah. So you know, we're looking at this project you did when you first started getting into lettering. We uh-huh. were learning how to talk, aka how to do the craft of it. You know how to how to use words with you know drawings, and then at some point there's this breakthrough happens that happens for you know people that really start to find their voice where you start saying stuff whether that's the Kendrick pens or James Baldwin poster um, and I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about that shift from not just learning the craft of lettering but then having your own voice in there and if you could talk about that that time and then also what were the obstacles of really starting to speak your mind through your work yeah, um, I don't know if there was ever like a line in the sand sort of moment in which I went from like, oh, I like making stuff with words. I need to make sure I'm saying the right, st- saying stuff with words as I sure. do. Like, I don't know if there was like a, a very clear point there. Um, but yeah, there's like a, I, I definitely kind of separate that lettering career or the lettering sort of s- the start I had with pre having a voice in this in this realm and like post having a voice there and mm. that voice didn't come at a certain number of followers or a certain what level of fame or whatever it is it came at just like a point in which i realized that i i should use my voice and um i think that the eh, like one thing that i'll always remember is i went to creative um creative south 2014 and there was a guy who talked there and like who's like one of the last speakers and he wasn't a designer um, but he, it was this idea of, um, everyone, everyone has, or everyone gets heard. You just have to, um, have faith that like you have an audience, you have people who want to yeah. listen. And that was sort yeah. of like a moment which I was like, oh, I like, there are people out there. Even if I have 300 followers, those 300 followers like want to hear what I have to say. So I should say something. I should make it like, make this relevant. Um, but then as time goes on, it, it, what it seems like is just, I, I, for me, I just needed more opportunities 
that I was either outraged or um, heavily in agree uh, in agreement with something in order to really want to put my sort of stamp on it, right? To really, oh, I should letter this phrase and like talk about it um, more in depth. Um, in terms of the hurdles, I don't know if there really are a ton of hurdles to sort of using your, your voice in that way. Were there emotional ones? Did you ever make something think, I don't know if I should put this out there. I don't know how this may affect, yeah. you know, okay, you know, whatever. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I'm actually dealing with that literally as we speak, because um, I created a piece and I don't know how I feel about this piece. Like maybe it's yeah. too far. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's the right thing. Um, so yeah, you definitely have those moments in which you sort of go back and forth with yourself, just trying to decide if it's the right sort of thing to do. Uh, but if, you know, as cheesy and corny as it sounds, it's like you kind of just listen to your heart when it comes to this yeah. kind of stuff. I'm like, all right, this feels right. Like, I, it feels like I should be talking about this. And it doesn't matter if just one person resonates with this, then I've at least done some good in that. Or at least have gotten something out that I wanted to say that it just felt impossible to say otherwise. Yeah. And sometimes I think, uh, you know, it sounds like you're saying like, sometimes if I'm afraid to put something out, and then I think if someone on the total opposition of this idea is following me, those are people that I don't mind if they leave. Absolutely. Like that's, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I sort of had that same sort of thought and I've had people sort of, they've asked me that and they'll DM me about saying certain kinds of things. Cause I was very vocal when Donald Trump was elected president and I was very vocal, yeah. very vocal about when, when black lives are taken. Um, and people have asked me like how, how I feel about clients not wanting to work with me. And I'm like, yeah, those are the clients I don't want to work with. If you are a true believer that black lives don't matter, then maybe we, you shouldn't be paying me money. Like that's just, <laughs> yeah. we should get right to the bread of it. Like we don't belong together and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but what I also have learned is that what, we, what happens is you, two things happen. Um, well, if, if they're not on the opposition, if they're in somewhere in the middle, you can help them to at least be willing to think about using their platform like a, as a brand or a company or whoever a client using their platform to talk about whatever it is that's that's um maybe controversial yeah. or what happens is when you when you use your voice in this crazy dramatic way is that you just bring clients who really want to speak in that way right they maybe they haven't done it before maybe they always do it and and they're always done it in the past and like this is their chance like i did a lot of stuff like that and then next thing i know i was working for a nonprofit and we put like a bunch of messages love is love and black lives matter and all kinds of stuff all through their office so you never know what kinds of things those words that you say sort of bring on later yeah there's this thing that happens where when you start listening to your heart and speaking from that place all of a sudden you start connecting with and bonding with people that have the same heart. And it's right. the only way they can find you is if you're doing that. Yeah. They'll never know otherwise. Yeah. And I, you know, I know you said, uh, you know, I'm the king of the cheese, uh, <laughs> so it doesn't bother me whatsoever, but, uh, actually I love it. You know, listening to your heart. I wonder if we could just zoom in on that as uncomfortable as that might be <laughs> and just say, you know, what does that look like? for you because that you know listening to your heart listening to that inner voice and that inner place that is your voice that is where you're when you start creating from that place now you're really cooking you're getting it um so what is that for you know does that look like uh reflection is that something that happens on exercise you know when you're on your bike is it something that where you gotta 
share it with people that have a similar heart to you and, you know, vet stuff? Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah. It's, I mean, I guess it's probably all of those things. Andy, you know me too well. Why did I like, guess that? You know, I yeah, should have just, just let you say it. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, uh, those are all just all the guesses. Yeah. Um, yeah. Using my voice for me, of course, is um, it's, it's, it's baked into every single thing that I do. Um, no matter if it's clear and obvious or not. Sometimes I like, you know, I talked about this plenty of times before is like, I'll do a lot of pieces and I put my hands in there. Cause I think it's important to see like a black person who's doing lettering work um, yeah, out cool. there sort of uh, doing it at whatever level you want to say, but I like to think, Oh, at a relatively high level uh, <laughs> that someone's out there who maybe look this looks the same as you. Yeah. Um, wait, I've tell Refresh me on the question one more time. Sorry. Okay. Well, Let's first of all, this. I do, do want to, I will do that. But I loved what you said about, you know, putting, actually putting yourself physically in the work. Right. That's both a literal thing you can do, but it's also a metaphorical thing you can do. I feel like, you know, the biggest breakthrough for me of really finding my voice was just d digging down into who am I? Like what, what are the things I love and how do I just make stuff about mm -hmm. that? Or what are the things that I hate? And I think that idea of like literally physically putting yourself in the frame is such a powerful example of that. Yeah, it really is. That's awesome. And yeah. So the question was, how do you get in touch with, <laughs> how do you get in touch with what's on your heart? And, uh, you know, because one of the things is we, you know, we, we medicate, we numb, we do all kinds of things. There's so many reasons why yeah. it's a journey to find what the hell's going on inside. Right. And I just wonder what are the, what are the things that you do to, to get those things to the surface? Yeah. Sorry. Okay. And uh, thanks for keeping me back on track. Uh, hey, you got a little nugget in there. That's going to be one of the best things in the episode, in my opinion. So um, no, Apologies yeah. necessary. <laughs> um, yeah, the way I sort of get in touch with whatever that is, is of course through things like meditation and time away. Uh, as you said, riding my bike, I like to do long distance cycling. And what's great about it is when you ride for 50 plus miles by yourself, you have like hours just to think, uh, which is <laughs> great. Yeah. It helps you put you in a, in a good sort of mental place. But um, I, I, I talked about this in a, a recent like webinar that I did is in April, what I did was followed along a poetry challenge that happens in April often where people, poets, oh. will write one poem every day. And so I did that. And I didn't make all 30 days. I think I ended up doing like 24, 25. Um, but it was just a great way to me to sort of exercise these emotions or these thoughts. And I've been trying to do that even more, even like after the challenge. And like I did it after this most recent shooting, which helped me a little bit. And those are good ways to sort of like put those thoughts on paper. And then now one of those thoughts is like the piece that I'm currently making that I'm trying to decide if it's the right thing to do. Um, so, yeah, just like mm. putting those ideas down somewhere so you can go and look at them later will oftentimes help me figure out ways in which I can bake it into my work. Because maybe at the yeah. time it's not super obvious, like, oh, what can I do with this like little quote or little thing that I've said to myself? Um, but maybe a week later or a month later, an idea pops in and it all makes sense. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I so love that because a huge breakthrough for me as an illustrator was when I, when I quit thinking of illustration as making pictures and started seeing it as writing with pictures. Mm. And, I, and it's this thing of, you know, I always think if I was talking to an actor, I would say, 
get into writing. Even if you're never going to really get the screenplay made, just get into putting what's getting into and what's with what's in you and getting it out into the world. And I've talked to a bunch of letterers who have encouraged like, have you thought about poetry? Have you thought about, you know, being a writer as well as a letterer? And I feel like that's just an amazing, I love that you do these, uh, poetry exercises that's like that's it it doesn't surprise me though that's amazing (laughs) yeah they 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 feel right to me and i I love writing i mean it's one of the reasons why i'm trying to write a book Uh, (laughs) but it's uh something that sort of gets me outside of the the normal pieces and and work that i create um and it influences a lot of it like i said it some of that stuff kind of spurs itself it comes back up to the top floats back to the top uh in the right sort of moments yeah, that's amazing. I it also reminds me kind of of uh, you know, the morning papers from the artist way. This she does this thing where she tells people every morning just write three pages of uh instant writing, you know, uh like what's the what I can't think of the word it's escaping me, but just free association, just okay. like word just you know, word dump onto the page. Don't think about it. Um, and there's so it, you'd be blown away what that does. Just putting it outside of your head onto a page where you can move it around, see it and test it and not judge it. And yeah, that makes tons of sense. Yeah. Um, okay. So speaking about writing a book, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know if you wanted to keep this secret or not, but Hey, you never know. This might be one of those things where you're putting your heart out there and the right collaborator, publisher, whatever <laughs> comes out of the woodwork. Um, so back, back when we got a, we did a get together in uh, December, yep. you were telling the group about this idea about the creative recipe idea. Mm-hmm. And, it ha- and I think it was your, your grandma had a quote. Is that right? Um, it was not really a quote, or but it's, a it's like, yeah, based off of like experiences sort of with my, my grandmother and just family in general. But yes. So it, it's a little bit hazy for me. I can't remember every reason, but all I remember is thinking, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, so can you tell us a little, just tell us whatever part of that you're comfortable sharing. <laughs> uh, no, I'm comfortable sharing uh, all right. at all. Um, the whole concept is, and I've given talks on it, so it's not like okay, it's good. anything. It's not completely in the bag. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm excited that you're going to share it because I was, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I just had to figure out a way to like, cont- like write it down to, to summarize it. Um, give it more context as well. Uh, but it's yeah. essentially the sort of idea is um, how we think as creatives and what I've, what I've learned as we've continued, as I've continued to grow in my career. And uh, I put this in air quotes, so you can't see me right now, but as you get more right. famous, <laughs> yeah, you get more right. followers, what happens is you get a lot of younger people who will message you and who will want certain details about how you did something. Uh, oftentimes it's like, what iPad do you use or what brush you use or what whatever and what what app what What app are you using yeah what i've learned is that like what they want is to figure out to cut they want to cut to as quick as possible they want to figure out how you did what you did and my argument is you shouldn't want to know how i did what i did you should want to see what i've done and you should want to take inspiration from it to create your own thing and so the idea is kind of based on like when it comes to cooking um, I, and this is not like actual technical jargon, but just, I think there's a difference between someone who's labeled a cook and someone who's labeled a chef and what sure. to me, what cooks do or to try to follow a recipe to they're told sort of what to do. You're, you're in charge of this thing, this part of a dish, you make this part of the dish as best as you can. But to me, chefs experience are tasting other things across the world. That's why so many chefs 
go to different places and they see different things, uh, they taste them and they bring them back. Uh, and then they in- put those things into their recipes or into the things that they're creating, right? These little pieces yeah. of inspiration. And they'll never taste, and they ever try to replicate these things, they'll never taste as good as the thing that they tasted in Southeast Asia when they were backpacking through, right? They, they, you know, they never yeah. wrote it down, or maybe there was something really special about it that made it good there that just it doesn't translate when they get back here. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember you, you also mentioned... Uh, there was a, a phrase from the South that really summarized the idea that <laughs> yeah. everybody is going to be adding something that nobody else can add. And so even trying to add the ade sauce to something, nobody right. else is going to be able to do that. What was that again? <laughs> um, so the phrase is, uh, it's a, well, I'm not sure if it's really just a Southern thing or really just like a really black thing, uh, okay. but it's about putting your foot in it. Um, right. put your foot in it is like a, a term that we use when someone has made something like really special and you can't quite figure out why it's as special as it is. Um, so what you would say is like, if you, if I, if I went to your house, Andy, and you made this like wonderful pie pizza and and it was just fantastic. And I couldn't tell you what was so fantastic about it. I'd be like, yo, Andy, you put your foot in this. Uh, and then if it was like super, super special, I might say like, you put your big toe in it. And the whole concept yeah. is like you made something that's so crazy that like there has to be something out of the box that you did here to make it so good, right? Like I can never replicate it even if I wanted to. Yeah. And it has something about the you-ness of it. Right. That's, nobody could replicate it. It's your big toe. It's like not just any big toe. If I put my big toe in it, like it won't taste good at all. But like yours has that right <laughs> kind of fungus that just like makes it taste good. <laughs> oh my gosh. The people that are like sensitive to gross things just shut up. Yeah, I am loving it. Uh, that's amazing. I, I think that's so, that's so great because you know, when it comes to the technical side of lettering, you know, you have worked on your craft and you do some elegant, beautiful stuff, but there's a difference between what you make and what, you know, Joe Letterer makes just that similar techniques. I feel like that's one of the reasons why, you know, the, the big toe factor is so central to the people that we invited to be on the roster. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and, and that's so much of what you do is, is it's more about that than even the craft, even though your, your craft is killer. And I, I wish I had that technique, but, um, (laughs) so let's go with more of your, the big toe-ness of (laughs) Ade. Um, (laughs) one thing that I've told you, I appreciate is, uh, you are, you're the very rare entity that is both an artist and an athlete. This is a very rare thing. I feel like a lot of people pick up art because they were never picked <laughs> in the basketball game. And, and that was me. You know, my, I, I used to go to my brother's friend's house and uh, everybody would split up in teams like, sorry, it's, uh, it, you know, you're the odd one out and you didn't get picked. And I'd be over in the corner. I'd be like, maybe I could draw a picture of the game. <laughs> um, you know, So you don't get a lot of artist athletes. And I, and I appreciate that about you, that kind of intensity and, and dedication and discipline. Um, and I just wondered if I'm, all that time spent doing this stuff, if the gym and boxing and all that has taught you anything about creativity. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I think 
to me, I, I don't. It's going to come across as like this guy who likes sports and whatever is just like preaching more <laughs> sports stuff. But like, I think that there are so many lessons to be learned in team sports in general. Like, it yeah. teaches you how to how to fail in so many marvelous ways, but it also teaches you how to succeed and like when you mm-hmm. succeed and the way to be a good person who succeeds um, in the best of ways. So yeah, I mean, I, I fully believe that. Like, the one thing I love about boxing is like it is the most humbling thing ever. Like you, you, if you mess up, you literally get punched in the face or maybe knocked down or knocked out. And that just is not fun at all. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so many yeah. things in doing this, like teach you how to, you can take it into your, into the things that you're making, right? This idea of training something that's so specific, so small to make just a little bit of difference uh, mm. could take you much further, right? It's the same reason a baseball player spends the entire winter and spring in batting cages hitting baseballs off of a tee, right? Like you have to learn every little subtle movement in your body to know how to produce that over and over again because there's somebody on the opposite side who's trying to throw a pitch that they've practiced every single day to make sure that you don't hit it. So it's the same sort of idea when I'm practicing lettering, like practicing these one little things. If I draw an A hundreds of times to make sure I know how to draw an A and I know every little intricate detail about that A makes me better at what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I feel like there's all these there's these clear parallels about you talked about in your creative mornings talk about you know the first time you show up to the gym you're you can't expect to be good and yet i feel like right. there's this fixed mindset in creativity there's this I, I don't know if it's like you know biopic movies from you know musicians mm-hmm. that have got us into this idea that we're going to show up into guitar center never having seen a guitar <laughs> pick it up and just be like i don't know what's happening i'm and everyone's gathering yeah i'm the next jimmy hendrix out here yeah <laughs> yeah and they're like what he's never even seen a guitar you know what i mean <laughs> like you know if exercise or be, going to the gym if you've ever done any of that where yeah. i can imagine boxing getting punched in the face the first time there's just this growth mindset that says yeah that's my first time right yeah um yeah i think in the talk i don't even remember but i think I, yeah i equated it to like going to the gym and um yes you're not going to be good at it the first time but a, a big part of what it is to go to the gym or to work out to run to any of that kind of stuff is you under we inherently understand that it takes time to be good at it and the first time won't feel good and yeah. we know that we have to push past that first time right you go to the gym for the first time in three years you are going to be sore the next day and maybe you have to take one day off but you need to go back another day you can't just go one day and never go back again because you know that nothing will have changed and the same thing comes goes down with art it's like you can't think that trying it one time and being good or not good at it will change everything Right. You got to now come back the next day and maybe your your visual muscles or your mental muscles are hurt and you don't want to think about it too much. So maybe you have to take a day off, but you need to come back more times this week. Uh, and soon you'll build up that endurance that you can do it every single day. Right. And you can always fight through that pain. Yeah, man, that is so good. You we know the first time we go in the ring we're going to suck and we expect it. But in creativity, there was so many years that I wasted just going from one thing to the next because I I was expecting that the the gift or the thing that Mm -hmm. was going to be the right thing was going to just be a duck to water the first time (laughs) I do a podcast or do a talk or you know what I mean? And that expectation is so different. So that that's it. So instead of, you know, thinking, 
what's the thing that I'm just naturally a genius at? Maybe <laughs> starting from a place of what's the thing that I'm so into, I'm dedicated to get past being terrible. Mm -hmm. Was that boxing for you? <laughs> what was that? What was your first boxing thing like? Uh, well, so boxing was a, a slightly weird thing for me just because I started by just taking normal boxing classes where you don't get punched okay. in the face. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I, you were smart I'm, enough to ease yourself <laughs> into the punching in the face. Yeah, I, I was just like dumb enough to because I just I went to started going to a class like, oh, this is fun. And I just kept doing it. And then like two, two and a half years later, maybe I, I first started to like, well, I started pairing up with the same guy. We would box with each other. We would but like, you know, after class, um, not fully, like not throwing completely hard punches, like laying yeah. off of them, just sort of get an idea of like how to move around. And then uh, early this year, I like joined my first legitimate boxing gym where like you are in a, in a ring and you got all the equipment on headgear and everything. And you're fully expecting to like maybe get knocked out and you just yeah. have to, to sit in there as long as you can. You have to outlast them standing there for three minutes until um you can find a shot for like to take on them have you first either a been knocked out or <laughs> really lost um so i've never in in boxing i've never been knocked out I've, like i played okay. football my entire life i have been knocked out in that <laughs> guess, um yeah. but not in boxing i've been knocked down which is yeah. a different thing and it's hard to get knocked out in like when you're sure. sparring you, yeah. you usually if you get punched hard enough you'll probably just both of you will stop. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Okay. Like I got you really good on that one. I see you're a little dizzy where <laughs> yeah. I'll go on and spar someone else. Yeah. I'm going to, I told you this, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm living vicariously through you because <laughs> I always wanted to box, but I always had people around me that were like holding me back. Maybe I wanted them to, you know, that guy that's like, you know, like hold yeah. me back, hold me back. Hold me back. Well, let that. me go, but hold me back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe it's that, but I always, yeah, I don't know. It's something that uh, is super interesting to me. Um, my last question is I feel like it's easy for people in an audience to look at someone like you and your amazing client list like Nike and Facebook and, you know, probably feel like you've got the whole future figured out. But um, just to kind of <laughs> – uh, I know that – yeah, part of the reason I ask you this is just because I know you personally and you're always wrestling with the next stuff. It's, you're not, you know, there's that yeah. great discontent kind of thing. Um, and I just wondered if you could share some what – what are you struggling with on your – uh, creative journey right now. Man, I feel like I'm struggling with everything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, like, primarily... Is this going to be part two of the show? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your attitude uh, was like, how much time do you have? Yeah, um, like, how, yeah. how long do you want this episode to be? I can go two hours <laughs> and like the crazy shit that I'm feeling right now. Yeah, um, yeah. No, right now, I think my biggest thing is just trying to feel like a valuable member of society in the best mm. of ways. I, like, it, it sounds real sad ish uh but just like if from being honest with myself i understand that design is not necessary for every like not necessary right. for the world all the time yeah. right like yeah it's necessary we have like you can read the signs on the interstate so you know which exit to take it enough time so you don't wreck yes sure uh but some things like you're making things for social media does that really matter if you know what i mean like so i start struggling with those kinds of things um and I guess I'm just like figuring out again how to use my voice and to use it for the right things and the right moments to make sure that I'm always like sharing or, or talking about the, the things that are important to me and important to the world. Um, so yeah, just trying to figure out how to use that voice as much as possible yeah. to say the, say the right things. Yep, I think when uh, when it all hits the fan, 
uh, a lot of artists feel like, and me included, like, what the hell am I doing with my life? But right. <laughs> drawing pictures, like, you know, people are dying out here. Right. Um, I feel like every I, other day to myself, like, what am I doing in my life? <laughs> Uh, and I, I totally get it. And I think that's probably a good thing to wrestle with often. Uh, but I also just want to encourage you, man, because, you know, I love this quote by, uh, George Bernard Shaw and it says something like, you know, we use a, uh, a regular mirror to see our face, but we use art to see our soul. And I think, I think you, I mean, we all know, I feel like when you go thank an artist that really showed you a part of yourself, you know, there were things growing up, like Charlie Brown showed me it was okay to be a depressed kid. And it was like, that got me through that year. Uh Like I needed that. Damn. And I, and I, and if I hadn't seen that part of my soul reflected, I would have been so alone and felt like such a weirdo. And it, I don't even know what kind of damage it would be. So you go thank an artist and it's all of that. Yeah. And you see them be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, I make art for a living. They can't take it in. But I just want to say to you, I see so many people in your comments and, and the people that you have an impact on. And I see that it really matters to see right. someone doing what you're doing, saying what you're saying. And, uh, you know, we, we need that. We need that, uh, that reflection, yeah. uh, to get through the shit. Mm-hmm. And I just want to, I just want to encourage you, ma'am. You, you're doing amazing stuff. Thanks. Yeah, no, I, I, I struggle with a lot of that all the time. And then it's not until I, I see some of that stuff. I'm like, well, shit, maybe like this, it was good to say this or, you know, like maybe I am doing something right. Because even like when I post something on Instagram and it's why I like never, never comment on other people's things, like, or like really comment on their comments and stuff like that is because it's an overwhelming platform a lot of the times for me. So I'll like get on there, I'll post something and I'll like close the app and like, don't check it again (laughs) for a couple hours. And sometimes it's, that's like, it's, that's necessary for me, but then I'll come back and like, when I see those really good messages, it like, it really does like warm my spirit. I get really happy about it. And I know that, uh, you know, James Baldwin would have done all kinds of actions that made a difference uh, in his time. But we're, you know, there are so many people that are still high on the the fumes of the words that he spoke. That right. Are, that's, the, that's the gas in their tank. And uh, I know words can seem empty or lettering or art or whatever. Um, but I don't know, man. I just want to encourage you because I think you're, you're doing amazing stuff. Nah, thanks dude i'm gonna yeah i'll keep trying you know keep when the, when the when the moment feels right of course like to make the right kinds of things and to put them out there whenever when i can don't quit that's what i i feel like i'm always <sighs> saying to you man come on um, <laughs> well uh do you have uh, oh I, this is the real last question okay. i had one more that was a that was a trick last one the real last one is when have you felt most creatively on fire in the past six months? What's mm. the what what was the thing that was like you were either something you made or something you you know an inspiration you encountered, but you were like the pilot light is blazing and I'm oof. and I'm on. Oof, oof. Well, I don't even know. Have I been on fire in any time in the last six months or <laughs> let's what, extend year, it to twelve months? <laughs> what about anything in the past twelve months? <laughs> oh man. Um, I guess, so I, I, it's, uh, I guess I'm still probably under NDA for it, but I did a thing with Nike and it like, it, it is everything I wanted. It's about running and it's a, yeah. a race in Chicago that I got to design for. And that was like, I remember doing that. And it, that also happened when I was talking about the, 
the trip to Columbia and I said like not all the client work went away because Nike emailed me a couple of weeks <laughs> yeah. before that and they were like, we got this really big thing. And it was like due midway through my trip. And I was like, well, you know how I said I wasn't going to do any work. I'm definitely doing this project. Like I yeah. need to take that on. Uh, that one just really felt right. Um, it, it had everything I wanted sort of in it, baked into it inherently into the project. So uh yeah that was like a a really good overall feeling and it's it's always weird and funny you know you do these the bigger the projects that you do the longer it takes for them to ever see the light of day and like this one still won't be out for like another seven eight months um so i still won't be able to like fully understand its significance until later on yeah right and you know the sounds like a joke but i swear it's not (laughs) one of the times that i've seen you most lit up over the past six months is talking about bourbon. Um, (laughs) Would you, have you ever, have you done a label ever or would you want to? Ooh, you know, I actually haven't. Um, Maybe if anybody listening to this and they want to help me do a a label, I think I'm game. Yeah. I I didn't realize it until this exact moment that that should be something I put on the list, you know? Yeah, man. I would love to own some bourbon with some lovely uh, brush strokes or or lettering from. Maybe I should do uh, that. Maybe I yeah, because I mean, for a long time, like the thing was like, oh, I want to do something running based and like whatever. Um, and I've, I've been able to do that. I've been lucky enough to do it. Um, I need to, to set goals on other uh, other areas, you know, not just I can't just be the runner guy forever, the fitness guy forever. But I, yeah, I am currently trying to figure out how to design a bike. Like, oh, cool. I, I want to. Yeah, like that's my next like real goal. I'm trying. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. So you got the exercise go getter side covered. I mean, right. keep them coming, but uh, this could show the the smooth, bourbony party laid back side of Ade, which is yeah. one of my favorites. Um, yeah, that's that's the part. That's the one the version of me that's getting me through quarantine. All these bottles of whiskey that I keep buying. I'm trying. I keep thinking like, you know, I keep trying to convince myself Wednesday is not Friday. It's not Friday yet. Just Andy, keep going. Andy, <laughs> if I've learned anything during all this craziness, it's that time is just a social construct that, that traps us. <laughs> yeah. like, it, it doesn't that exist. True. Like, we, yeah. we can do whatever the fuck we want now. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry for the language there. But no, man. It, it, We're keeping it. doesn't it. matter anymore. You know? Like, this, it's, it was all fake. Everyone was just trying to get us to stick to that five-day work week thing. Yeah. Because, like, that's the way it was supposed to be done. And what we've proven is that none of it matters anymore. But if you want to drink your heart out on Monday night, I say go for it. <laughs> I love this. Is, that is the funniest end to a creative pep talk episode ever. Get drinking. Time is nothing. Forget it. It's all a lie. Adi yeah, Hawk. man. Yeah, man. Just like chill, man. Forget about it, man. That's it's all amazing. Be okay. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for doing this. This was this was genuinely fantastic. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on again. Huge thanks to Ade for uh, making time in his schedule at last minute to record this episode. Go check out Ade Hogue on Instagram, A-D-E-H-O-G-U-E. He is a a super inspiring uh, designer and lettering artist, but uh, he's also just a good dude with big heart doing art that has a lot of heart in it. you can't have heart, art without heart. Can't, is it? I'm not great at spelling. Um, 
Seriously. Thanks, Ade. And uh, thanks to all of you for showing up. Next week, we will be back with the Creative Elixir series part two. And it's actually going to be a four-part series. I recorded part two, and I'm super pumped about it. I've been planning part two and uh, three and four. And uh, yeah, super pumped. I'm glad everybody's been excited about part one. Um, yeah, go check out Ade's stuff. And uh, until we speak again, stay pepped up.